So if we went back in time, back to 2002, you might find a young Erica here entering the Spiegel tent. Yes. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. I spent a lot of time there at that time. So uh, we did a preliminary kind of walkthrough and you talked about this. We were going through and talking about this as a process. This is kind of like your initiation. <laughs> so talk me through. I mean, the Spiegel tent is a really iconic building um, or a temporary structure and it's kind of interesting thinking about it as a quite a different departure, let's say, to M Pavilion, which is also a temporary space. Um, but how it continues to pop up over time. Its focus is on cabaret. Um, and what it did, you know, what was influential for you during that time? Yeah, so long story short for a bit of background, I grew up in the outer suburbs in a family that doesn't go for the arts at all. Um, very, very rarely had an interaction with theatre and it was considered something that was a hobby, not a profession. Or if somebody did it for a profession, it was because they were a very special person who had talents that we had no contact with and it wasn't part of our realm at all. So I'd been hanging out with some friends um, who are still really, really close friends who had been dragging me kicking and screaming to the theatre for a couple of years, sort of starting when I was about 19. And eventually I'd stopped kicking and screaming and started getting really, really interested in it. And um, one of those friends is now known as Ruben Kay, the cabaret performer. But at that time I was 20 and Ruben was 18. And Ruben was well known for finding the best places in town to kind of party and drink. Um, and he kept on saying one sort of um, spring, come down to the Spiegel tent. Oh, I was at the Spiegel tent last night. I'm going again tonight. I've bumped into these people. So eventually he convinced me to come down to the Spiegel tent. So we were never there during the actual performance times. We were there for like Club Spiegel, um, which was into the wee hours. And it was the early years of it. So I walked into this place at about 11 o'clock at night and it was a bar full of sort of early neo-burlesque performers, other artists, arts elders. There was like a burlesque performer stripping on the bar. There was the performer we know as Dandy Man doing an act where he would uh, take a watermelon out on a date and eventually be so overcome with lust he would destroy it in a frenzy. Which I know sounds kind of weird but it's hilarious when you see it. Um, which became a feature of that season. So for that um, I think that was kind of the first time I'd ever found like an art space that was intriguing and was a community and I sort of, I could afford the drinks there at that point because it was still very much an artist's bar. I got to see amazing performances that were disruptive or somehow subversive. There was a period of, it was a period of time where there was a lot of glamour around that sort of cabaret vibe but it was still very very underground like I spent a lot of time at the butterfly club during that period too so those that was some really really formative um, years for me there was about two seasons where it was kind of like every night be there see everyone have a community of this place stay until three o'clock in the morning and then walk home to South Yarra and did this inspire you to move into the arts pretty one, much one of, one of the key things yeah. one of the catalysts like yeah. eventually like didn't take me very long being there I knew that the degrees I was doing weren't really working out for me and the work that I was doing was not the work that I wanted to be doing I was actually I was working in corporate events at that point because that was the only kind of outlet somebody for me had in that resembled producing um, but yeah I I kind of hung out there and within a week I'd sort of decided I needed to figure out how to run away and, and travel around with the Spiegel tent and run stuff like this. 
and that was how I started investigating more of the art scene and started hanging out at Melbourne Fringe and Comedy Festival and showing up at Melbourne Festival and really delving deeply in on my own terms rather than somebody else's. And where do you think that is now? Do you think there's a kind of connecting point at the moment? give you some time to think about Mm. it but you know so I think it's quite a interesting question to ask because I reflect on that and while I think M Pavilion's really fantastic for bringing artists to public whether it has that same kind of experimental space yeah Brian Eno talked about I heard him do a speech at the Opera House about 10 years ago as part of the first vivid and he talked about seniors how there's that genius that comes out of a particular scene, a particular mm-hmm. collation of people and creative ideas. It, it sets something alight for a little while and then everybody disbands. And that's what happened to that particular club part of the Spiegel tent. It ended up slowly being discovered by the more mainstream audiences. The prices went up, the liquor licensing laws got more oppressive, sort of the crowd moved on and the culture moved on. But I would say testing grounds is kind of the next generation version of that. And yeah, I'm standing around the fire watching young cool kids in my little corner of the arts um, now experimenting and playing. And they've been doing that for a few years and testing grounds will soon come to an end too and there'll be a new place. And I suppose what's interesting there is that even Next Wave as a program provides that space. So it's a virtual space, but because of its temporary occupation, it provides that time and space during those those that season really yeah yeah those hubs are super duper important that's where your lifelong relationships and friendships and absolutely are forged and that's where all of your new ideas come 